Well, howdy, Pastor Landon here, and it's time for Real Men. So uh, I hope you have your nachos. I hope you got some non-alcoholic beverages. I mean, whatever your conscience allows is fine with me. Uh, but there are people all over the globe joining us today for Real Men. It's gonna be awesome. We're growing like crazy. Um, there's people all the way in other countries watching alongside you guys tonight, as well as churches that are gathering in their buildings watching Real Men with you guys. It's awesome to have so many men across this country, across this world, joining together to grow in their faith and to be encouraged with other brothers in Christ. That's what we're called to do. That's what men in this day and age need to do um, to be good fathers, husbands, and uh, leaders in their community. So thank you for joining Real Men today with us. Um, This series is gonna be absolutely epic. We are all about healthy masculinity and equipping men. Pastor Mark is passionate about reaching men with the gospel because when the gospel gets involved, everything gets better. We're pro-Jesus, pro-building men up, pro-helping men become better husbands, fathers that bless women and children. If you want to get connected and have all the updates about real men, the best way to do that is text MEN to 99383. MEN to 99383. That's not woman. That's not child. That's not baby. That's not trans. It's MEN to 99383. We'll send you tons of free resources and all kinds of stuff that'll build you up to be a better man. And if you're like my wife and you're a woman watching alongside us, you should comment below because there's actually a surprising amount of women that watch this because they want better husbands and fathers in their life and single women trying to learn what a good man is. So uh, if you want to join us in person uh, and you're a senior pastor, we would love for you to fly out, come to Real Men. Um, We'll host a dinner with Pastor Mark. You can ask all of your questions, learn how Real Men is, learn the secret sauce, and you can replicate it back in whatever state you're from. We've had people from North Carolina, South Carolina, from Texas, from Washington, from California, from Oklahoma. We have guys join us all the time. We gather together at Trinity Church in Scottsdale, Arizona, around tables where we hear an awesome teaching from Pastor Mark, what you're about to hear, and then we build each other up in small groups, um, asking some questions that are sermon-based, and uh, grow together. So it's awesome, guys. And right now, it's sermon time. So get those nachos ready and get ready to dive into some real protein. All right, guys, we are in a little series, uh, Dominion for Dudes. And I, I, I do believe, and this is not hyperbole, I think this may be the most significant message that I have ever given to men. And this is really where it all begins. And let me just start by saying this. Your biggest enemy is you. Your biggest enemy is you. My biggest enemy is me. The greatest threat to your future and your family is you. The greatest threat to my future and my family is me. As men, we can get very frustrated with government, and you should be, because our government's terrible. You can get frustrated with leaders at work, and that's fine, because most of them deserve it. But at the end of the day, the person that's most influential in your life, your family, your future, your legacy is you. And if you can't rule you, everyone and everything that depends on you will suffer because of you. Um, I, I want to I just talk real honestly. I mean, I've... I've seen so many men self-destruct. It really is devastating for me personally. I was thinking about it today. Some of the men that I started ministry with, brothers and friends, many are dead. They didn't even make it to my age. I know of many men that they self-destructed, imploded their marriages. They broke their children. They ruined their legacy. And some of them started off as people who would have said they were Christian or even Christian leaders. 
And the point is this, that you and I are first and foremost responsible for ourselves. And the way we come into this position is when you're a little boy, you're under the dominion of your parents. We're talking about dominion. And we looked at last week that God is a father, we're his sons, he has all dominion. And when you're a little boy, you're growing up, your parents have dominion over you. They decide where you live, what you eat, what you wear, when you go to bed, where you go to school. When you become a young man, you start to get a little bit more of your own dominion. Now your parents aren't always there. So you get to make some of your own decisions. How will I behave in school? Will I listen to the teacher? Am I gonna obey the coach on the sport field? Am I going to uh, finish my homework? Am I gonna tell the truth? You've got a little bit of independence and a little bit of dominion. Get to make some of your own decisions. Then you become a young man. Now you're leaving your mother and father, working a part-time job, maybe getting a full-time job, graduating from college. Next thing you know, you're making the decisions in your life and you're making the provisions for your life. Now you've taken responsibility for yourself and you have dominion over your own life. And then the next thing is you meet a woman, you ask her to marry you. And if she lacks discernment, she says yes and signs up for a lifetime of you. (laughs) Signs up for a lifetime of you. Um, And that's the key. Find a woman with low expectations and and, and low discernment. (laughs) And and then ask confidently. Um, and, And so then she says yes, but now you have responsibility for her. And then hopefully, uh, if you marry her, she sleeps with you. I mean, that's, that's the goal, right? Um, every, every guy, every single guy's got the same goal. We just, we pursue that goal through marriage. So then you sleep with your wife and next thing you know, she's, she's pregnant. And now you've got someone else to take care of. And the goal as a man is to first and foremost, have dominion over yourself, your body, your finances, your life. If you can't lead you, you can't lead anyone. If you can't manage you, you can't manage anything. You take dominion for yourself. And then you have a wife, now you have a family. You have to exercise headship and dominion, leadership, provision, protection for that family. And then God gives you children. Maybe God gives you a business. Maybe God gives you a ministry. Maybe God gives you grandchildren and generations. Now what you're trying to do is take whatever level of anointing and dominion that God has given you and to exercise it for as much good and influence for as many people and as many generations as you possibly can. That's what good men do. And so ultimately, this is what you were made for. And, and, the, and it's just such a broken world where we don't tell men why they exist. They exist to glorify God by exercising dominion. We live in a day when men are told to be passive, not active, to be irresponsible rather than responsible, to allow others to care for them rather than them being the caregivers. And a boy is taken care of and a man takes care of others. And here's what our God says, Genesis 1, 26. God said, let us make man, it's mankind. All of this nonsensical gender pronoun silliness is just, it's, it, it's ridiculousness. God made the race and called us man and mankind, okay? And, and there are women and men. And the, and the race is named after men. And the men are supposed to be the heads and the leaders of the race. After our likeness, let them have, what's the big word? Dominion. God said, I have all dominion, you're my son. I'm giving you dominion. We'll talk about this when we get to marriage. You share co-regency and you share dominion with your wife. Uh, don't go home and say, Pastor Mark says, I have dominion over you. Don't, don't do that. Uh, first of all, that whole sex thing we we're talking about, that'll come to an immediate end. Um, 
in addition, you rule with your wife, you don't rule over your wife. We'll talk about that in a future time, but have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the heaven, livestock over how much of the earth? The whole planet. God made men to exercise dominion everywhere over everything. These people that are like, hey, don't, leave the, don't touch any part of the planet, leave, the, leave everything. No, 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 God said, be fruitful, multiply, increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it. Exercise your dominion. Every inch of the planet is to be cultivated by men who are exercising dominion in business and family, ministry and the like. And so my definition for our time together is dominion is a person with authority over a realm. It's these three things. So if you are the CEO of a company, you're a person, uh, you have authority over the business. If you're the senior pastor as I am, you have dominion as the senior leader over the church. If you're a husband and father, you have dominion over your family. So the question is, as a man, what are the spheres of your dominion? What are the places that God has given you authority and he's put you there to be an agent of good leadership? And here's what we see in the Bible. If men don't exercise dominion, Satan and demons and evildoers will. As soon as our father Adam doesn't exercise his dominion, in Genesis three, Satan replaces him and takes over his family and the human race. Adam was supposed to have dominion over his family and the human race, and he allowed Satan to take all of that from him through his passivity. So if you wanna be a man who fails to exercise his dominion, you just need to be passive, not active, and you need to watch instead of speak and lead. And you know this as well as I do. If you do not exercise dominion in your family, usually the least healthy person in your family will. Your crazy mother-in-law, um, extended family members, domineering and overbearing people are going to start to exercise their dominion in the absence of you exercising your dominion. And this is where lots of men get very, very frustrated. They don't like it because they don't feel like they have authority and they're not taking responsibility. And the whole point of this series is to get you men activated and to tell you that God is a father, he has all dominion, he delegates that dominion to you and you need to exercise that dominion. But you need to do so in a holy and a healthy and a godly way. And the result is exercising of dominion has to start with you. If you're not under control, then you can't lead anyone in a way that honors God. This is why of the 10 commandments, if you read the old King James translation, nine of the 10 say, thou shalt not. It's your father going, son, don't do that. Son, don't do that. Son, don't do that. Son, don't, don't, lie. don't sleep with her. You're not married to her. Uh, don't take that. It doesn't belong to you. Don't say that. It's not true. Watch your emotions. Don't get out of control. And what God is doing as a father, he's saying, you need to exercise dominion over your life before you can influence others and expand that dominion. So here's your two options. And I just wanna be real serious and sober with you, men. You have two options, self-dominion or self-destruction. Those are your only options. Self-dominion or self-destruction. Let's just be honest. How many of you have seen a guy self-destruct? He just, he made some decisions that literally it's like he took a grenade, pulled the pin, swallowed it and blew himself up. And at the end of the day, he did it to himself. We all know these men and some of us have been those men and God has redeemed and saved us. And we're glad to have you men. For you young men, just hear me in this. You can choose self-dominion or self-destruction. Those are the only two options that any man has. 
And I wanna talk about self-dominion. Because what happens when we talk about dominion, bad men, foolish men, evil men show up and they're looking for who they can boss around. Let me say this, start by bossing yourself around. How many of you know those guys at work? They're telling everyone what to do and they don't have it together. It's like, okay, you all chuckle because you've met that guy, right? So start with the guy in the mirror, start with the guy on your driver's license and then proceed forward from there. So they come to Jesus in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. And the religious leaders have a question to Jesus. Here's their question. Which commandment is the most important of all? Okay. So you read the Old Testament, there's all of these commands. There's more than 600 just in the first five books of the Old Testament. Jesus answered, the most important is this, hear. So the first thing is, you need to listen. And I appreciate you men giving me the honor of teaching God's word, but you gotta listen. It's like a son. A son doesn't know anything. So a dad needs to talk to him and teach him. And that son needs to open his ears to hear. God's our father. Hear Israel, the Lord our God is one. There's only one God. And then he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. That's what we're gonna talk about. How do we exercise dominion over our heart, our emotional life, our soul, our spiritual life, our mind, our mental life, and our strength, which is our physical life. And that I want you as men to evaluate in these four areas, how am I doing at exercising my dominion over myself? And all of this, Jesus says, is in the relational context of love with God. For those of you guys who are more performance oriented and you're less relationship oriented, um, you need to know that all of this is relational language, he says, based on love. Love the Lord your God. So God loves you. That's what the Bible says. It's not that we love God, but God loved us first. And this loving relationship with God is something that many men struggle with because we tend to think of love as a, it's a girl word. It's why we all hate Valentine's Day. You're like, it just, it's where I spend money and feel awkward, right? So when you hear love and you even hear the word love in the church, usually the language that gets taught is Jesus is like a groom and the church is like a bride and the bride and groom love each other. And if you're a dude, you're like, my whole goal is not to be the one in a dress. That's like my whole goal. Right, And if you're here, just so you know, that is on our bucket list to die without ever wearing a dress. That's the room you're in presently, okay? So for me, thinking of myself as a bride and Jesus as a groom, it's just super awkward. And I, I just, I started hearing Elton John music and feel like I should bedazzle my jeans and I just don't feel good about that. Let me give you another way to think about a loving relationship with God. How many of you are a father and have a son or grandson? Do you love them? Yes, but you love them with a masculine love, not a feminine love. Men and women both love, they just love in different ways. So I've got three sons, I love my sons. I tell them I love them all the time. Pretty much every time I see my sons, I love you, love you too, dad. We're very open, I, I give them a hug, I tell them I love them, I, I love my sons. And now I've got a grand, I've actually got two grandsons, one's born and the other is ready for liftoff. He's taxied up to the runway, he's positioned. <laughs> He may be on his way right now. He's ready, he's ready to launch. Um, and first thing I did when I held my grandson, what do you think I told him? I love you. And I gave him a kiss. I love him. And, and my goal and hope and prayer is that he would love me like his dad's loved me, like his dad loves me. And so when you think of, you know, Jesus says, love God. Think of it like you're a son, he's a father, your father loves you and you love him, but it's a masculine love. It's a healthy love. And how do we know that we love God? Jesus says something very significant. If you love me, you will obey me. 
The way you know that a son loves their father, they obey their father. They trust, I have a good dad, he's telling me the truth. If I obey him, my life's gonna go better because my father loves me and I love him and I trust him because of his love for me. So what Jesus is saying is um, heart, soul, mind, and strength. I wanna unpack these quickly. We'll start with the heart and here's the first question. How's your emotional health? Health. And for a lot of men, we like to have objectives, goals that are measurable. This is why we like points in a sporting event. This is why we like percentages on interest rates. This is why we like you know, periods in you know, income balance sheets. There are some things that are a little harder to evaluate, like how's my emotional health? But, but you can answer that. And when it talks about the heart, the heart in the Bible appears about 900 times. It's a massive mega theme in the Bible. And the heart includes more than just your emotions, but it is encompassing your emotions. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 15, 18 and 19. What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness and slander. So what Jesus is saying is the heart is upstream. The belief in the behavior, it's downstream. If you're like, man, I cuss a lot. I really am not good to my wife and uh, I'm a pretty perverted guy. The heart is the issue. Once the heart is right, upstream, things change downstream. And a lot of times guys are working on behavior modification rather than heart transformation. And this is really a crucial key to fathering. The key to fathering is to get your kid's heart and connect it to God's heart. And as soon as you have their heart, and God has their heart, the rest of that child's life is gonna get sorted out. If you don't have the heart, ultimately that child is going to sneak or rebel or self-destruct. We're the, we're the sons of God, we're his kids. And so ultimately to be a Christian means you actually get a new heart. God's like, I'm gonna take out the old heart, I'm gonna put in a new heart. And so when we're talking about your heart, two things I wanna tell you, here's what I've seen in men. Um, number one, the one sin that I've seen infect and destroy hearts of men more than any other is bitterness. If you're a man, you've been used, abused, abandoned, betrayed, stolen from, lied to, taken advantage of, and underappreciated. True or false? True. True, that's the world we live in. And as a man, if you have a sense of justice in you, eventually you reach a point where you're like, I, I'm very frustrated, that was wrong. I, I am very upset about whatever that may be. Some of you right now, it triggers people at work, bosses who abused you, maybe a wife who was unfaithful to you or people who stole from you. There's a sense of justice that comes upon a healthy man. But if you choose bitterness instead of forgiveness, what you're doing is you're poisoning, you're destroying your own heart. Because at the end of the day, bitterness, and when you're sinned against, and I know as men, we're all sinned against, um, you have two choices, forgiveness or bitterness. That's it, there's a fork in the road. And if you choose forgiveness, then you're gonna go up to God and God's gonna come down to you. If you choose bitterness, you're gonna go down to Satan and Satan's gonna come up to you. When all is said and done, I say this all the time, there's only two cultures, heaven and hell. And in the middle, when you're sinned against and offended and you're frustrated and you're unhappy and you're hurt, you have two choices. I'm gonna, in, I'm gonna invite heaven down or I'm gonna pull hell up. 
And as soon as you choose bitterness or unforgiveness, you're choosing the culture of hell. Hell is a culture of bitterness and unforgiveness. Heaven is a culture of forgiveness. And so what happens if you choose bitterness, now what you're doing, you're poisoning your soul. How many of you know a man, maybe it was even your father, your grandfather, he just got bitter, surly, jaded. It got dark. His heart got very hard. He lacked empathy, compassion. He was just a difficult, surly, grumpy, difficult man. But he had a reason for it. Something was done to him that he couldn't get over and he wouldn't release to God. And as a result, he allowed that to really poison his heart. And it infected and affected all of his life and relationships. The other thing that can really damage your heart is if you are a man, and this is a good indicator, if you experience emotionally a high degree of fear or anger, you don't, your heart is not in a good place. Some men, they're driven by fear. They don't want conflict, they don't want failure, they don't want shame, they don't want criticism, they're driven by fear. Other men, the flip side, some men have anger, but really under the anger is fear. And the anger is someone or something that I love is not going to be given to me or it'll be given to me and then taken from me. So the fear is I got the job, but what if I lose the job? The fear is I got the girl, but what if I lose the girl? And what happens is most men don't like feeling weak or insecure or fearful. And so then we overcompensate with anger. We kick up the testosterone. We get very frustrated. We're like, that's it. I'm going to... I'm gonna go from Banner to Hulk, I'm turning green and I'm gonna break some things and I'm gonna go get my justice. And I would just tell you men, you've gotta constantly ask this question and if you have a healthy wife, she's going to be helpful. How is your heart? How is your emotional life right now? Okay, and, uh, and if you're always angry, you're not healthy. If you're never angry, you're not healthy either. Jesus was angry every once in a while, but he spent most of his time in joy. He had times of anxiety, he had times of oppression, he had times of exhaustion, but Jesus lived in joy. And there were times that he would have appropriate or healthy anger or anxiety, but he would return to joy. You need to know that you as a son of God, you and I were made to live in joy. Before sin entered the world, before Satan and demons showed up, Every day was a good day. God's like, here's a girl, she's naked. You're like, this is a good day, All right? This is a good day. We haven't invented clothes yet. Here's something to eat. You're like, this is really working out in the direction I was hoping, okay? And then Satan and demons show up. Next thing you know, we're angry, we're fearful. She's wearing clothes. Everything went sideways. It was just a horrible situation. And so what happens is as soon as Satan and demons show up and we sin against God and we hand our godly masculine dominion to our enemy, not only is our dominion gone, so is our joy. So is our joy. So Jesus comes for the joy set before him. He endured the cross. So Jesus died so that we could be saved. He rises so we can get new life. And then he sends us the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the spirit includes joy. As a man, if you are doing well, you will live in joy. And when you deviate from joy, you will return to joy. That's how you know, that's your plumb line. That's your north, 
A healthy person is a joyful person. And it doesn't mean that they're always joyful, but they return to joy. And let me say what this will do. Um, This will create in your home, in your marriage with your children, a non-anxious presence. Everybody needs some good news. Our world is filled with nothing but bad news. The good news is the Bible tells us not just what happened, but what always happens. And we don't just need to look at the Bible. We can look through it and make perfect and total sense of this weird woke world in which we live. I've been preaching God's word for about 30 years. And I wanna let you know that real faith is independent, free, and a voice that is prophetic in a world that is pathetic. And I wanna thank you for your partnership. We are 100% supported by ministry partners like you. You can't cancel us. We don't have advertisers. We don't have publishers. You can go pound sand because people like you pay the bills. Go to realfaith.com slash donate, give your best gift and help me keep up the good fight. So think of it this way. If there is a man who's emotionally healthy, his heart's in a good place, and he's living in joy and returning to joy, if that dad comes home, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a great thing. It's like, dad's home, yay, dad's home. Now, if your dad is not emotionally healthy, dad comes home, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Bad thing, anxious presence. Some of you grew up in a home where your dad brought anxious presence. You're like, oh no, is dad, is he angry? Is he stressed? Is he gonna yell? Like, what, what, what are we getting into? Your hope and prayer and goal as a man would be, you'd be emotionally healthy, and then you would bring a non-anxious presence. You're around your wife, she feels at ease. You're around your kids, they feel at ease. Some of you grew up with a father who was emotionally unhealthy, and it created an anxious presence. The goal as a man is to live by the power of the Holy Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit is joy, and to be um, not an anxious presence, but a, but a calming presence and a joyful presence. Number two, soul, how's your spiritual health? Emotional health, first question. Spiritual health, Jesus said, heart, soul. We're talking about the soul. And uh, the Bible talks about your soul a lot. And some of you maybe are new to church. You're one person, two parts. You've got a physical body and a spiritual immaterial soul. Now, the question is, what is the deepest, purest, truest part of you? We tend to think the body because it's what we're familiar with. But the deepest, truest part of you is actually the immaterial, invisible soul. How do I know? When you die and your body goes to the ground, what happens to your soul? It continues. You can live without a body, but there is no life without the soul. Therefore, the soul is the part of you that'll last forever. Now, one day God will rise your body from the dead. But what that means is to to be a healthy man, it's not outside in, it's inside out. We start with the soul and we will get to the body. Both matter to the Lord. But too many men are only focused on the body, strength, appearance, and they're not worried about the soul. So the question regarding your soul is this, how much do you think about your soul and how is your soul and how are you doing it tending to and caring for your soul? The Old Testament alone speaks of your soul. I looked it up at least 750 times, just the Old Testament. What's really curious in our day, for those who try to treat mental health disorders or people who are struggling, they have something called the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Uh, the healthcare medical professionals, the psychologists, psychiatrists, they will call this the, uh, the, the mental health Bible. 
and it diagnoses all of the different clinical behavioral issues that human beings struggle with. In that entire Bible, how many times would you guess that it mentions the soul? Zero. Our entire mental health industry ignores half of our being. This is where I do like the social sciences. I believe in counseling and trauma therapy. I actually like studying all of that. I think it's very helpful. But the only way for someone to really be healthy is not just treat the mind and the body, but the soul. And only the Holy Spirit really can do the work on the soul. And so for you to have a healthy soul, it's first acknowledging like, I do have a soul. And then to ask yourself, okay, what is the plan for my soul? I mean, most of us have a plan for our body. You're like, I take, I sleep, I hydrate, I exercise, I eat. Okay, you've got a plan for your body. What's your plan for your soul? What's your plan for your soul? And here's the big idea. You're not a person with a body who has a soul. You're a person with a soul who has a body. That if you're not well at the soul level, you're not going to be well at any level. And so your soul is your greatest possession. Your soul is the thing that'll depart and be with the Lord upon your death. Therefore, your soul should be your highest priority. This is where I don't get guys. They're like, I don't have time for church and Bible study and prayer and worship. I have too much going on. Too much going on to take care of your soul? How, how do you possibly think you're gonna have a healthy life with a neglected soul, right? If, if who you are determines how you live, if you're too busy living to be growing, you're not going to be thriving. And so many men are like, I have time for the gym. I have time for work. I don't have time for my soul. I'm telling you, that has to be the first priority. And for your soul, here's what Jesus says in Matthew uh, 16, 26. For what will it profit a man? So this is a really good word for men if he gains the whole world and loses his soul. What Jesus is saying is, hey, you could make all the money, you could rule all the nations, and you could rack and stack all the women. And if you lose your soul, you've made a bad bet. You've made a bad trade. And what Jesus is saying is, everything out there is fine, but everything in here is more important. And I would just tell you guys, some of you need to work a little less and pray a little more. Some of you guys need to give a little less time to your hobby and a little bit more time to your worship. And that maybe you are starting to exercise dominion over external things, but you're losing dominion over your soul. Very crucial and important. Here's four things your soul needs. Needs presence, prayer, praise, and people. First, your soul needs presence. You're meant to live in the presence of God. So this is worship and prayer and spending time in God's presence. Prayer is talking to God, listening to God. Praise, singing. Your soul needs to sing. And I just wanna honor you, man. When we started Real Men, nobody sang. Like, I don't sing, I'm a grown man. And now you guys sing, okay? And you just need to know your soul needs that. And there's something really wonderful. It's a tremendous encouragement for other men when they see grown men worshiping in a masculine way. And it's not encouraging when you see grown men worshiping in a feminine way. I just like the frosted tips, the skinny jeans, the guy who cries with a guy liner and the painted nails. I just, no. Okay, but um, the greatest worshiper, the greatest male worship leader in the Bible was David, who also killed giants and hunted large game 
with a knife. So that's my guy, right? That's, that's how we wanna sing and worship. We wanna worship as men. We need to praise. And then lastly, you need people. You need, God works through people and you, we need each other. That's why we're here. So you guys can meet your brothers for the battle. How's your emotional life, your heart? How's your spiritual health, your soul, uh, your mind? Heart, soul, mind, strength. Mind, how's your mental health? How's your mind? And thinking according to the Bible, thinking is two things. It's war and it's worship. That's what thinking is. War, Satan is the father of lies. He's always bringing us lies. And so thinking is war. And that's why the Bible says, and Paul tells the Corinthians, to take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. The language is from military battle and conflict. Let's say you're in battle and then you take a prisoner of war. Let's say it's a high ranking general. You literally put a sword underneath their throat and then you take them to your commanding officer and that prisoner of war is interrogated for information. And then it's evaluated, are they giving us factual or erroneous information? That's literally what it means. What it means is when you hear something, you need to take that thought captive. Like, is that true or false? Is that from my father or the father of lies? Do I believe this or not? In addition to thinking being war, it's worship. We worship God by thinking his thoughts after him. If God says something and we agree with him, that's worship. Here's how Paul says it in Romans 12, one and two. He says, spiritual worship includes the renewing of your mind. That's what he says. And so as men, what we need to do is we need to change our thinking and our mindset. There is a battle for the mind that is constant because if life is a battlefield, which it is, and you men go to war every day, then the mind is the fortified headquarters. The mind is like command central. The mind is where all the decisions are made. And, and the Bible says that not only is life a war, and that the mind is a fortified headquarters, that the word of God is a weapon for war, okay? It says that it's a sword. And, and a sword in the ancient world, that was the weapon of war. If you're gonna go to war, you're gonna strap a sword, one-handed sword or a two-handed sword. And every once in a while, there was a big guy who could wield a two-handed sword with one hand. Those are the guys you avoid in the battle. Those are the big boys. But what he's talking about is using the word of God to demolish arguments and strongholds. And, and let me just say this, our world is filled with nothing but a constant barrage of lies, deception, and nonsense. It just is. And so it's like, no, there are men and women. There is right and wrong. There are angels and demons. There is heaven and hell. I know that's not what you think, but look, I'm just telling you, um, that's what my father says. And uh, we're gonna have to have a fight over this because this is a weapon for war. And so what I would tell you as men, when you open the word of God, and I would just tell you, you need more time in the Bible than you think you do. And I just feel inclined in the spirit to say this, for you men who have been Christians for a while, if you're only reading the old passages and quoting the old verses, you're not maturing. As we get older, we need to be learning new things. We need to be adding to our knowledge. New scriptures, new parts of the Bible, new concepts, new doctrines, new themes. And ultimately, when we open the Bible, we should be looking for truth, what is true, wisdom, 
What do we do? And then here's what it requires for a man, humility. I'm willing to receive it. And you men just need to know, your father wants to speak to you. And he primarily does that through his word. And when you open the scriptures, I'm gonna talk about it more this next weekend, something wonderful happens. First, the Bible is the only book that when you open it, the author meets with you. How many of you have read a book? You're like, man, I wish the author was here. I'd ask him all the questions. You can do that. The same Holy Spirit who wrote the scriptures, if you open the scriptures and pray, he'll meet with you and you can talk to him and he's gonna help you understand because he loves you and he wants you to know what the Father has said. And, uh, and I'll just, I'll close with this. You've got to be in the word of God and the word of God has got to be in you. Your mind will be deceived, it'll be confused, it'll be attacked, it'll be clouded unless you are constantly in the word of God and the word of God is constantly in you. But here's what I don't wanna do. I don't wanna make it something that you have to do. I want it to be something that you get to do. Uh, I, I just thought of this, I'll just share an illustration. Um, I feel like there's some men in the room um, and I'm gonna use you as an analogy. How many of you men in the room, your father has died? Father's died. How, how much would you like if you could just sit down and talk to him? Right, like my grandpa died when I was 10, my grandpa George. I love him with all my heart. I would give, if God said, hey, I'm, how about I bring grandpa George back for an hour? I would love to see him. And I'd love to talk to him. And, 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 and I'd love him to talk to me. There's that uh, country song, I think Scotty McCurry, five more minutes, just comes to mind. What he's saying is, man, if I just had five more minutes. Here's the good news. Your father in heaven never dies and he'll always listen to you and he'll always talk to you. And so if I'm the son, like if I've got a dad who will listen to me and I got a dad who will talk to me and if I ask him, he's gonna help me, guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna to talk to that dad and I'm gonna to listen to that dad. And that's what Bible study is. And if you're new, you just need to know this. I always tell this to our men. God doesn't bless men. He blesses men who place themselves under the authority of his word. Okay, if, if, how many of you, your father, how many fathers in the house like me? What if you told your son to do something? You're like, son, here's what I want you to do. What if your son came to you and said, dad, I believe you. That's exactly what I wanna do. I'm struggling, could you help me obey you? What would your answer be? Praise God, tell your sister to do the same thing, right? So <laughs> your father, if he tells you to do something and your heart posture is, I agree with him and I wanna obey him. If you pray, Father, help me obey you. The answer is always, son, I'm here to help. So let me say this as well. If you wanna be a leader, you gotta be a reader. The average man reads zero books a year, okay? If you wanna be a leader, you gotta be a reader. How's your mental health? How's your mind? And then lastly, your strength. How's your physical health? Um, God made your body. God came in a body. Jesus is God in a body. We call it the incarnation. And it says this, like in John, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. And it talks about, I think it's around verse 14 in John one, that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So God in flesh, the language is incarnation. Carne is 
meat, flesh. Carne asada, my favorite meal. Right? And every time I eat, I'm like, reminds me of Jesus. So, um, and that's what I always say, I believe in Jesus and carne asada. That's what I believe in. So, so Jesus is God in meat. So what that means is, it's a good thing to be a man with a male body. I mean, God could have entered into human history as anyone or anything. And what he said is, I'm gonna be a man. I'm gonna be a man in a man's body. So it must be a good thing to be a man in a man's body. And two things happen when it comes to your strength, which is your physical health. Some men overemphasize the physical, other men underemphasize the physical. For those men who overemphasize the physical, it's all about working out and gym bros and hot chicks and appearances and you look in your best, but as far as their heart, emotional life, not very healthy, soul, not very healthy, mind, not in agreement with God, but it's just all about my body and then trying to find the hottest chick or chicks that I can find with the best body. And it's all body. That's why we have Facebook and not soul book. There's somebody like, I'm looking for a gal that prays a lot. No, swipe. And so the other way that guys fail, they will overemphasize the soul and they're underemphasizing the body. So they're like, well, you know, it's well on the inside that counts. No, the outside counts too. And just like you wanna take good care of your soul, you need to take good care of your body. True or false, if your body isn't healthy, it will affect your heart, soul, and mind. It will. Some years ago, I was uh, in a dark place, difficult time, and I met with a counselor uh, and, a, and a medical doctor. I said, man, I'm, I'm just really kind of a little disoriented. I'm in a dark season. He said, you're depressed. I said, I'm not depressed. He said, you have a physical depression. I was like, oh, I thought I'd only heard of mental. I was like, physical, what do you mean? He's like, well, you like sunshine and you live in a place that's dark and always rains. You like to be outside, you're always stuck inside and you yell at people for a living and they hate you. So you're, you're worn out, your adrenals are fried, you're not sleeping well. And at that time I was in my like 30s, fully committed to an Edo's diet. You know what the Edo's diet is? Like Cheetos, Fritos, Taquitos, Doritos. I fully committed to an Edo's diet. Next you know, I'm blowing up like a puffer fish. And uh, so then I'm drinking a lot of carbohydrate, a lot of caffeine. Next thing you know, uh, to preach, you know, if you're gonna yell all day, you do an energy drink. And I just finally reached the point where physically I just wasn't doing good. Just wasn't good. And you know what that does? It starts to affect your mental health. It starts to affect your spiritual health. It starts to affect your emotional health. Because you're one person and all these parts work together. And if one's not healthy, they're all affected by it. So I want you to have a healthy soul and a healthy body. Um, let me just ask you a couple of questions. Um, things like this, how's your sleep? How's your sleep? Some of you guys don't, one guy sleeps like a Calvinist on Benadryl, he's doing great. The rest of you, <laughs> probably, probably is, most men don't sleep enough. What does that do to your body over time? It breaks it down and you start to get sick and your immune system wears down. Not, not to brag, I slept 10 hours last night. I slept 10 hours. I mean, you know, and it's like anything, like I'm hoping to get to 12 and like any athlete, I'm really, I'm building up toward that. Um, but just for me, I pour out a lot and I used to not sleep and I used to brag about, it. I hardly sleep at all. And they're like, yeah, we could tell. You know, you are fat with a nervous eye twitch and grumpy. You should sleep more. This is not something to brag about. This is something to fix. Uh, how, how many of you guys, how is your work-life balance? 
You know, for me, I can tell when I'm overworking, I'm working after dinner. I'm working on what is supposed to be my Sabbath day. Like, okay, what am I doing to myself physically? I'm making withdrawals from the future and it's gonna cost me. How's your weight? I know we're not supposed to talk about this. Um, Some of you need to pray about a scale. I'm not being a legalist and say you have to get one. I'm just saying pray about it. And if you can't see it, you really need the scale. And some of you guys, you've gone to the elastic waistband, you just surrendered. You know, you just, as you get, and my grandpa George, my grandpa George, he wore overalls because he gave up on anything with a waist. He just did. And he would just let the overalls out. That's my genetic predisposition. My genetic predisposition is to be as wide as I am tall. I have to fight gravity all the time. But some of you men, the reason that you're not feeling great is physically you're not doing well. And, and, and as well, things like um, just physically, how are your vices? How's your alcohol? Some, drinking alcohol is not a sin, but some of you, it's not good for you right now. You just need to take a break or cut back. Some of you vices, you're like, Pastor Mark, smoking's not a sin. It's, it's not a sin. It's just not healthy. I've never met a chronic smoker who was a great athlete. It's one or the other. Some of you, you got to look at your vices. What's your food intake? What's your alcohol intake? Are you one of those vape guys? Are you one of those marijuana guys? Um, and, and even if it's not a sin, is it good stewardship of the physical body that God gave you? In addition, um, how's your sex life? I don't want you to talk about this with the strangers at the table, but just think about it. Like, am, am I sexually healthy? Is my body actively involved if I'm married? And just so you know, there's no sex outside of marriage. And you sing, I was like, we're married in God's eyes. No, you're not. I've seen them, they're, they're flaming red. He's very unhappy with you. Um, but if you're married, like physically, do we have a healthy physical, sexual, marital relationship? And, and just looking at the totality of your body and your health. And, um, and for me, I'll just close with this. I've got a few check engine lights. Like for me, if I am overextending and I'm working late into the night and chewing up my day off, my Sabbath, like, okay, that's a check engine light. I'm gonna burn myself out. Um, do I find myself um, waking up very, very exhausted because I'm not sleeping well? Okay, then something is amiss. Am I getting sinus infections because I'm wearing down my adrenal system because I'm overextending and my immune system is now compromised? All of these things. And here's what I want you to know, guys. Um, God loves you and all of you matters. Your heart, your emotional life, your soul, your spiritual life, your mind, your mental life, and your body, your physical life. And if you don't exercise dominion over yourself, you're going to destroy yourself. And I love you and I don't want that for you. And some guys break emotionally, some guys break mentally, some guys break spiritually, some guys break physically. We don't want you to break. We want you to be healthy as a whole person. And then we want everyone and everything under your dominion, your family, your business, your ministry, your legacy uh, to be led and, and to be served by the healthiest, best version of you. Okay, and so here's the discussion questions for our time together. And thank you guys for letting me teach and thank you for the guys joining us online. Where are you most and least healthy right now? Emotional, spiritual, mental, physical. What changes do you need to make and what is the first change to make? 
And then how can we pray for you? And we always lay hands and pray over all the guys. I'll pray for you now. Father, as we go into discussion time, I pray for those guys who have joined us online around the world. Thank you for the honor of speaking to them. God, thank you for the men who have joined us here at Trinity Church, the best men in the world. And God, I just confess openly, like there's been seasons, heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's been seasons where every one of those in my life has been unhealthy. And Lord, I know I'm not as good of a son to you. I'm not as good of a husband to Grace. I'm not as good of a father to the kids. I'm not as good of a leader to my team. I'm not as good of a shepherd to my flock when any of those things are out of alignment. And uh, Lord, I've got to go home and talk to Grace. I, uh, I was short with her last night and grumpy, and I could say it's because I'm tired, but she didn't get the best version of me. And so Lord, I pray for us as men that we wouldn't settle for anything less than healthy in all of life so that the dominion that you've given us would start by being exercised over ourselves. And God, until a man has ruled over himself, he's really not helpful to anyone. So Holy Spirit, help us to have the spirit of self-control, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Thanks. Well, hey, podcast pals, it's uh, Pastor Mark Driscoll here saying thank you for tuning in. I've had the honor of teaching the Bible for around 30 years. Happy to report I got my cancel card about a decade ago. Nice to get that out of the way. And now I'm back in uh, zombie mode, man. You can't kill me. And if you would do me a solid, I could really use your help. Number one, rate this podcast. Everybody gives me one in five star reviews. I need you to give me a five star. In addition, uh, review the podcast. Tell them it's good, it's helpful, it's fun, it's authentic, it's genuine, it's down the fairway, it's all about Jesus. And uh, share it, uh, let your friends know, let your family know. And if you wanna trigger your enemies, let them know too. I've been triggering woke joke folks since the mid 90s and glad to keep up the fight.